0: Well, I'll tell you what, Uh, oftentimes we say that we find a story that we had no idea would get the traction that it would. But this is one where I thought it would get the traction. This uh, child separated from their parents on an Air Canada flight to Toronto, the parents going on to Facebook, many of you texting in, primarily suggesting, I would say, fair to say, Jay, that most people kind of blaming the parents. You should have, you know, as as we've said, some of those suggesting that it was just horribly dangerous to have children uh, separated from their parents on a plane. I don't really see it as horribly dangerous, quite frankly. I want to get along with everybody, but it's just not horribly dangerous. Could be, I suppose, but it's as dangerous on a plane to not be within eyesight of your children as it is to not be with eyesight of them anywhere.
1: Yeah. You know what? I like this text up here. Charles said, I'm a parent and I travel with my young kids. I never buy seats, but I always report the age of my kids. I always check in the day before to select seats. I really think that seat selection should be first priority for the parent and child less than five year old after that sure follow all the other priorities and so on but this truthfully could be a liability for the airline if anything were to happen to the child like an allergic reaction or abuse or anything like that
0: i suppose but i mean the parent is not on a different flight they're eight rows up i don't know I I just don't see it as the airline's fault.
1: And then I also then question, at at what age, right? Is it eight? Three years old is still pretty darn young.
0: Yeah. As a number of people have pointed out, uh, they're surprised that nobody would give up their seat because really, who wants to travel with a three-year-old? I've certainly been in a position before of having an unaccompanied child next to me, not three years old. I mean, there's some party as a parent that feels the obligation to entertain the, the kid. And I, I can just, you know, I don't remember what you said earlier about it, but oh, somebody texted in saying they wouldn't want to be next to you two, Joe, because I, I would love to have my kid next to you on a flight. I've seen you with kids. You're great with kids.
1: It was remarkably strange.
0: <laughs> it doesn't make any sense it makes to me. no
1: sense whatsoever. <laughs> I
0: know, but you're really good with little kids. And I say that because I've seen you at the Stollery Radiothon, and I, I just feel like a fish out of water at those things before we go to air because you're sitting there <laughs> posing for pictures and asking them really good questions and making them laugh, and I'm sitting there agreeing with you. Yeah, that is a good picture. Okay.
1: I think maybe it's, my hairspray smells like candy. Do you remember that it? one
0: child who got onto your lap and just did not want to nope. leave? Yeah. They were grabbing for your hair. and
1: mm-hmm.
0: Wow, that's just that's just weird.
1: Maybe they thought it was a dead animal on my head. <laughs> <laughs> this story has been posted on the 630Chad Facebook page. And uh, once again, getting some uh, some talk about it. Uh, CBC Marketplace mm. did a, a a big story on it the other day. And, and it goes back to a basic thing. And I think if any of you, and I'm sure all of you, have been in a restaurant at some point in your life, a restaurant or a bar and and maybe you wonder about the outfits that the waitresses um the serving staff are wearing mm. you know is it appropriate does it does it bother you do you like it do you go there because of it i mean yeah. but there are, now they're saying that there's in in some cases um chance for lawsuits
0: yeah well lawsuits or um Human rights complaints. Human rights complaints. Say, three examples uh, given. Uh, McKenna versus local heroes in Stittsville, Ontario. Mm -hmm. And these are the kind of situations they're talking about. This was in June of 2013. An adjudicator for the Human Rights Tribunal of Ontario ruled that local heroes, a bar in Stittsville, Ontario, discriminated against Ashley McKenna, a part-time waitress there, after she voiced her concerns about wearing form-fitting skirts, introduced as part of the new dress code. The reason she voiced her concerns, she was pregnant. She didn't want everyone to know she was pregnant, uh, but the form-fitting skirts... Accented that, yeah. Um, So she was told she didn't have to wear the skirt. But after two more shifts, the bar stopped giving her work. (laughs) Um, So the adjudicator ordered the bar to pay her $2,848 in lost income and $17,000 for uh, injury to dignity, feelings, and self-respect.
1: Yeah well this this investigation was the dress codes at some of Canada's top restaurant chains and heard from dozens of female staff who say they feel pressured to wear revealing outfits or risk losing their shifts and it seems that more and more Women, especially in the industry, the restaurant industry, are speaking out about their dress codes that they say are sexist, interfere with their ability to do their job, and leave them vulnerable to sexual harassment. So, you know, the question is, should you have to dress sexy to keep your job, or have you ever had to... You know, wear one of these uniforms. I guess at the end of the day, my, my thing is, is that if you're applying for a job at a restaurant that has, you know, you've likely been there, you've seen what the other waitresses or staff are wearing, you have a decision whether or not you want to wear that or not.
0: I'm surprised to hear you say that because I was trying to think of a way to carefully play devil's advocate here and not get everybody upset. Mm. Um, and I know that there was an issue, and I think it was a Calgary restaurant that required their waitresses to wear high heels. Yeah. And, and it was really hard for the waitresses That's to... It's
1: hard to walk in all yeah, night. Yeah,
0: an eight-hour shift. And I don't even know how to f- how to frame this, except there's lots of restaurants aside from ones that require the waitresses to wear short skirts or high heels or... Whatever. Or whatever where you go in and all the waitresses are really attractive so you know they're they're skinny they're whatever that can't be pure coincidence can it i mean it can't be that the most qualified people that we got when we put an ad for a waitress were all these skinny model types that showed up so if you go into a restaurant to apply for a job and everyone in there is dressed in a certain way and they all look a certain way don't you presume that that's... I mean, if I was a guy and walked but into then is a, that
1: discriminatory if you don't is get... It? If you don't get hired based on... It is. On that, yeah.
0: Well, that's what I mean. Like, you know, that would be... You, you can see a case where uh, a, a bigger girl or a shorter girl, whatever, you know, mm-hmm. um, didn't get a job and then complained that they didn't get a job because of their appearance. You'd say, well, it's hard to argue that that's not discrimination. But it seems like... And I'm not saying the restaurant is right to force their waitresses to wear anything in particular. It just seems funny. Like, the, didn't the problem happen prior to that? Didn't the problem first happen in their hiring practices? Like, she's not claiming. Well,
1: oh, I think it happened. Yeah, it was around a management table. Yeah. probably when they said, "Okay, this is how we're going to figure it out, and this is what we want our girls to wear."
0: Right. Or guys. To and wear, this is what we is. want our girls to look like. Yeah. And I get, you know, in some of the cases that were cited, there was a bar uh, in which they were asked to wear a bikini, for example. And now that had never been the dress code before, but they were having a a beach party night or something. They told the girls all to wear a bikini. There, I would agree that, listen, when I applied, you know, there was no mention of bikinis. And now you want me to put on a bikini and I don't get to work if I don't put on the bikini, which is what happened. and And the person won. But again, is it, I guess here's what I'm asking. Is it slightly hypocritical for a waitress to say, well, I don't like the uniform that they want me to wear, um, but you know that you got hired on your looks? That's the devil's advocate part that I was nervous about bringing up. Because that's, the hypocrisy there is pretty obvious to me. You go into, I don't want to name any particular restaurant, but you go into a lot of restaurants. They're all young, good looking, you know.
1: Yeah, they're all apart, right? Yeah, all...
0: the guys, same yeah, thing. So, Let's, yeah. you know, yeah. So, to then say, well, I mean, are, are they basically saying that? Well, I know I got hired because I'm good looking. I just didn't know I was going to have to wear a short skirt. Is that? Well.
1: Again, I think if you're applying for a job at a certain restaurant or a certain bar, whatever it is, you've likely been there before or you've heard about it. You know uh, what the uniform is going to be. So you have to make that you have to make that decision. Are you comfortable wearing that that uniform? If that uniform changes along the way to something that you're not comfortable mm-hmm. with, as is the case with the bikini top, I think, yeah, you have a legit reason to be upset, especially when you say, oh, no, I'm not wearing the bikini top and your 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 work starts to get cut. To me, that's, Definitely. that's not good. But if you know going in that you have to wear a tight black top and a tight black skirt and, you know, a two-inch pump or whatever it is,
0: I guess here's what I'm saying, Jay, and and maybe this will get me in more trouble, but here's what I'm saying. I don't agree that you should change the rules of employment after employment has taken place to say, listen, I know I never mentioned this before, but I now want you to be topless, or I now want you to to wear a bikini or whatever. Um, I guess all I'm asking is, well, who's sticking up for all the big girls that didn't get the job in the first place? Mm. Because that's also discrimination and to me that's a more important discrimination than what we're talking about they're both discriminatory and I don't agree with either but it just seems to me that the first one is more important and the story is not about that the story is about
1: revealing clothes and uncomfortable revealing clothes, clothes like on
0: clothes, really good-looking yeah.
1: people Yeah,
0: you know so there's that
1: what do you think at 4960063 or you can text us at 630 630 um, yeah all girls in on the job look the same we have examined the pictures of uh, some of the tv girls all young cute skinny and that's a news station that's from from marley been there done that yeah been there done that story of my life for 18 years uh discrimination is a part of life i discriminate (laughs) against dumb people when i hire all the time that's from chad um And then this one says, uh, Woody says, you don't go for, you don't go to play at a job in certain restaurants expecting to wear pants and a loosely fitting skirt. That's it. Uh, Someone says, uh, guys, guys like, where did it go? The group that has the most disposable income are single men. Single men like attractive women. It's good for business.
0: All those statements are true, but it doesn't condone discrimination, though. I, I don't agree with, and my views have changed over the years as my daughters got old enough mm-hmm. to be waitresses uh, and bartenders. If they, I mean, you know, listen, if my daughter, one of my daughters takes a job at a bar and the uniform's too revealing, I don't know why she would have taken that job in the first place. Where On this particular issue where I would have the problem is where the terms of the employment changed after employment. That's right. You know, there I have a problem. Yeah. And, and particularly where the, the boss just the management just goes okay well no you know you know mm-hmm. you're fine if you don't want to wear a bikini that's fine well by the way you have no shifts so it's a functional
1: there's, there's, dismissal yeah. right there's a, there's a problem there. And I mean, at the end of it all, we have that decision to make as as customers uh, which which restaurants, which bars you, you want to go into, right? Sure. And it, if personally, if you don't like it or if you don't want to, you don't have to go there. Um, I'm not a big fan of having uh, belly buttons serve me a beer, <laughs> but if I'm going into a sports bar yeah. where it's kind of, and I want a cold beer and watch the game, if that comes with it, then sometimes that's what you have to do. <laughs> there you go. 318, we'll take a break. Tony, Paul, your phone call Calls up after this. Okay, it's 322. Tony's been patient, uh, patiently waiting. Hi, Tony. What's on your mind? Hey, how you doing, guys? Good.
2: Thanks, buddy. Good. Okay, she thought I left town, but I didn't. <laughs> but anyway, you know what? You talk about that bikini bar. Many years ago, when I lived in Calgary, the south end of McLeod Trail, there used to be a place called Studio 82. It was a cinema. And a guy bought that, but he kept the screen in there and put sports on there, turned it into a bikini bar.
0: Oddly, Tony, I've actually, I actually know that place. You know
2: that place. A buddy of How mine dragged me to did it? You go there? once. Well, I went there quite a few, but you know what? It's something like that is a novelty, right? It yeah. wears off after a while.
0: Well, like, you know, my buddy at the time living in Calgary said, "Hey, there's a bikini bar just opened up." And he, I was in town doing something else, and we went to it. It, there was, it wasn't a particularly great bar with great service or anything else. No, it was it wasn't. just
2: but girls did you there for in bikinis. The
0: yeah <laughs> well that's just it nobody went for the
3: for the but, food
2: well they didn't like me because i didn't tip much but anyway <laughs> but i was a little cheap that way i, I must have been something coming out of me but no but you know what it's like a novelty there's so many was bars i like calgary to be honest yeah there were so many bars my favorite bar was this, the Saint louis hotel mm. i love the louis
0: yeah you could hang out with uh with well, a premier
3: yeah well i've seen him crawl
2: up there a little drunk once in a while well, that was many years ago but you know what there's so many places in Calgary, so many gimmicks. There was another bar at one time called the Bayou, and they sold nothing but gumbo. Mm-hmm. Gumbo, like Gumb. from the South, South Carolina and that.
0: Tony, Tony, have you noticed you spend a lot of time in bars?
2: <laughs> well, not really, because you know what? I, I like to meet people, like to see what I'm, uh, who I'm talking to and why people go to these places. Makes and it's sense. a great gathering for many people.
1: Tony, thanks for the phone call. We'll move along to Paul, who's also been waiting. Hi, Paul.
3: Hey, guys. How you doing? Good. Good. Dress Dress uh, codes. Just, Let's put a spin on this. Uh, You're talking about people who um, knowingly apply for a job, knowingly know what they have to wear for that job. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Let's put a spin on it. What's wrong with the RCMP apparel? What do you mean? Well, how come we can have people, you know what, be it their religious choices, beliefs, or whatever it may be, or their their whatever, uh, knowing full well this is the apparel, this is the costume, this is the uniform. Well, I, I, I had two uncles that were in the RCMP, and I'm sure um, they're, they're turned over in their graves knowing that people don't have to wear the actual RCMP uniform.
0: Right. Well, that is definitely a whole big other can of worms, isn't it? It is. Yeah.
3: And what rightly saying also, I mean, you're, you're talking about going into the establishment knowing that, you know what, you're trying to get a job, and you know this is what the apparel is, that you have to wear this to get a job there. Mm-hmm. Well, if you're not going to wear it, you're going to get a job there.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, again, I go back to the to the one where it changed kind of halfway that, through. I think yeah. that's the one that really, you know, is is not appropriate in 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 my head at all, right? If I showed up no, here and, and my boss said to me, "Okay, you need to start wearing a bikini to work every day," oh my goodness! Like you know, when, <laughs> exactly. What the? Uh, what? You know, that's just it, that's just not going to happen. Right?
0: No, that, no. Our the, our bosses are always trying to encourage us to cover up. <laughs>
1: the more, the more, the better, right? <laughs> yeah. But it's when when the changes of the when the employment the terms of the employment change um, to, to that extreme. I think that's when people do have a good case.
3: Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. And let's hope the economy starts to turn around. I've, my first time unemployed in nineteen and a half years.
1: Oh my gosh! Paul,
3: what, are, what are you are unemployed from? I uh, worked in the uh, oil field uh, supply business. Mm. Oh
1: man! Sorry
3: to hear that. Obviously, yeah. Well, you know, it's, I'm sure there's stuff out there, but uh, you know, and hopefully it'll pick up.
1: How yeah. long? How long have you been out of out of work now?
3: Uh, a couple of weeks.
1: Just a couple of weeks, eh? So
3: yeah. Well, I've got you know, I've got enough to set me aside for uh, you know a year, year and a half or so, but. Uh, You know, hopefully it's it's got to spin around before then. Yep, for sure.
1: Well, Paul, well, thanks for the phone call. Yeah, best best of luck. luck, Okay,
3: You guys listen to you all the time. Thank you.
1: Thank you so much. Uh, It's 3.26. A couple more texts coming in. Say, I don't care what they look like. I just want good service. My wife just experienced bad service this weekend by the so-called beautiful people. Yeah, And then someone says, isn't this disgusting in today's time that women have to wear certain clothing to show uh, her breasts, etc. I'm sick of those who own and operate these businesses who exploit these gals in in this manner. Aren't we past this now? It's 2016, for God's sake. Do you
0: know, uh, back when Carol and I had a comedy club out in Sherwood Park, Uh we advertised for servers, it was just funny who we ended up with. We ended up with a lot of 35 to 45 year old returning to work moms, mm-hmm. but I'll tell you what, they were great servers, like just great Absolutely. servers. They, they had work experience. They needed to get back into the workforce again. They were intelligent. Yeah. It's just, yeah. I'll take good service over a, a good uniform any day. Good
1: service anytime. Yeah. So is this the sound of a leaky faucet or toilet? A water heater on its last legs? Maybe a broken water pipe? Well, one thing.
0: All right, welcome back to the program. My goodness, how has an hour and a half—the six thirty chat afternoon news—already gone by? And by the way, I want to mention Jaylen and I. You know that thing we do at four twenty yeah. where we give away Guns and Roses? or we qualify somebody right. for that Guns and Roses uh, concert? We're going to try something new today. Uh, we're going to do it at four twenty. <laughs> if you haven't already uh, got your name in, uh, go to 630chad.com, contest, then put your name in, then be listening at seven twenty, ten twenty, or 420. How? what about this, Jaylen Knight, a new brewery opening up in Lacombe, really, and it's taking Alberta by storm.
1: Blind Man Brewery opened less than a year ago, like six months ago, and its uh, beer is now being sold in more than 70 restaurants, bars, and liquor stores across uh, the province. Two of the men behind it all, Hans Doof and Shane Groendahl, us us in studio this afternoon hey guys
4: thank you for having us
1: hi well it's great that you guys could come in and really appreciate this and i when i was kind of crunching those numbers and thinking okay i'm trying to find the date i said well less than a year but no it's been six months
5: yes yeah brand new brand new brewery
1: and you've already expanded things are going very well for you guys yes
0: they are and, indeed yeah, yeah. Hey, tell me how you graduate from making beer in your basement to having a brewery i mean lots of guys Try making beer. What what made you guys make a brewery?
4: Well, so home brewing is kind of the the as you you say the kind of the first step of the game. And uh, a couple of us have been doing that for I've been doing that for about ten years and continue to do that a little bit here outside of the brewery. Um, But then, kind of as as the as the desire grows and as the capacity to as your friends drink more of your homebrew, you're like, well, I don't have much of this left.
5: (laughs) It's also a, a passion project, and and you realize that. Um, you kind of go into it with a bit of ignorance and you realize it's quite daunting and then you kind of let that passion keep on keep you going until you're you're going
1: so you guys were sitting around having a couple of beer one night and said hey why don't we make our own and start our own brewery is that how it happened
5: Yeah, um, it started, uh, I'm from Lacombe, and uh, another partner is from Lacombe, and uh, his name's Dave, and we started... (laughs) That's sort of funny all by itself. (laughs) Hans and Dave. Yeah, Yeah, all right. And we we had this kind of as an idea in our head uh, way back about three years ago, and then... Uh, Through uh, various things, we kind of just kept on going, and each step was just another step. And eventually, a few guys from Edmonton came came by, Shane and Matt and Kirk, and our head brewer, his name's Adam. Where'd you find Adam?
4: Adam, we found Adam uh, actually th- at another local brewery. He, uh, he used to brew for, for uh, Alley Cat. Mm-hmm. And then before that, he used to brew at Grizzly Pot in Canmore. And then before that, he was from the East Coast out in Nova Scotia. So he, he used to brew a Propeller as well. So he's rather well experienced at this. He's had a, over a decade of brewing experience uh, professionally. So
0: I, I feel like you guys have missed a step in the conversation here because it's <laughs> we started with, hey, you know what? Our buddies kind of like the stuff we're doing down in our basement. And then I'm assuming somebody said, you guys should sell this. And then the next thing we know, you're in 70 restaurants. So how do you, at the point at which you decide you'd like to be an actual brewery, and as you just said, you know, there's a learning curve to this or something, you know, you made mistakes in the beginning. What were those mistakes? I mean, who do you go to first and say, hey, we've decided we're a brewery?
5: Um, it, it, There's just a steep learning curve everywhere. And, and like I said, you have to start somewhere. And, and as it always, yeah, it... it you just keep on going, yeah.
4: The other thing that you do is you go and visit. You may start making a lot of friends at other breweries, and you go and visit them, and you ask them a lot of questions. You figure out how they did it, and you know what what, to, what it took to get them started. And you uh, you kind of understand and, and start start to gain gain a little bit of understanding and respect for the scope that at uh, starting up because it is it's an industrial facility is what it is. It's it's in, on these scales. Uh, yeah, we we only have a four thousand square foot brewery, but you know it's still we're working with uh, hot liquids every mm-hmm. day. Uh, some uh, cleaning. Chemicals and stuff like that. So you start to gain appreciation by talking to other brewers and and figuring out how they're doing it.
1: Well, and you all come in from different backgrounds. I mean, you're an electrical engineer by background. Your family has run a greenhouse for years and years, uh, two greenhouses out there making just... Their are vegetables and stuff. Fantastic yeah. out there. Yeah. But doing it out there. So, okay, hey, well, let's do this. We put it all together. So you found a piece of property. You, you found a place in a to, to start putting this all together. When you first made your first batch, the first thing that you produced, was it any good?
4: Well, I uh, yeah, it was because you know <laughs> as, and going back to that homebrew uh experience is that our 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 first batch was our our blind man river session ale our flagship beer and over over the course leading up to that first production batch we had test batched that beer I don't know how many dozens of times, uh, kind of tweaking the recipe, getting it zeroed in, uh, making sure that the the flavor combinations of the malt and the hops and the the activity of the yeast was proper, um, and so getting that beer exactly narrowed into where we wanted to 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 become. Yeah. But the first production batch, of course, was uh, a little bit nerve wracking because uh-huh. you have the you have a we're, we're scaling up the batch size really really quite drastically. Yeah, it was it was and, still quite nervous. Yeah, it was it was a nervous day because you you know you're running this equipment for generally the first time. Making beer and that was it was fun, but it was kind of nervous too. Yeah. yeah.
1: What is it about craft beer? I mean, over the past ten years, it just seems to have uh, exploded. I mean, long gone the days of just having a Bud Light or a you know whatever a course. I mean, yeah. everyone seems to want to try something different with different flavors. Uh, yeah. Why why do you think the popularity is there?
5: I think uh, a lot of it has to do with the the trend of of local food and the local movement in general and how people wanted to support local and. And that goes with the food industry, with, like with my family's greenhouse, uh-huh. as well as, as um, with beer. Uh, craft brewing uh, in Alberta is is on a boom, for sure, and and we feel it's because of that local aspect, as well as as well as other things, for sure. You know
0: the uh, four P's of marketing for every business student are price, product, place, and promotion. Uh, sometimes place is physical distribution; they replace that word. So you've brewed this up. Who are you brewing for? I mean, how how did you go to these 70 restaurants and say, we're going to make this, we'd like you to sell it? How did you get the distribution set up? How did you know how to price it? How did you know how to promote it?
5: So, um... That's just uh, a lot of it is is on the go planning, and in terms of distribution, it's it's us. We're doing all of our own distribution right now. Um, we're going to establishments that we feel are wanting to to support local already, uh, initially. And so, do you walk in say, "I'd
0: like to speak to the manager. Try this." Yep. In some That's cases, it. yeah. In yeah. Some
5: cases for sure.
0: Yep. And then I'm assuming there's some laws uh, <laughs> governing breweries. I mean, I mean, what did you have to do to set up for that? Can, can anybody just open a brewery?
5: Um, there are, it, it's a, it's alcohol. And you yeah. have to go through the Alberta Gaming Liquor Commission, AGLC. And uh, there, there are uh, hoops to go through and, and you have to do your research for sure. Um, but, but, they've been supportive and and if you know the hoops you have to go through initially uh that really helps so you don't get blindsided with with these unexpected Yes, yeah
1: so tell us about um your 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 flagship beer here and that's the one that you said is pretty much in in most of the places a lot of restaurants as we mentioned 70 or 80 restaurants and and liquor stores and that sort of thing thanks for bringing some in to try too by the way well yeah.
4: we wouldn't be very good if we didn't yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so explain it like what uh, you know I just always like to just taste it, but I'm always trying to figure out what else is in there.
4: For sure. So our Blind Man River Session Ale, like I said, is our is our flagship beer. It's a, it's a 4.4%. Uh, um, I want to use. I, I, I'm hesitant to use use the word lighter because a, a light beer is kind of has a stigma around it. It's it's a, in that it's not a flavorful product. But our our light beer is a flavorful product. Did you say 4.4? That's correct. Yeah. What's the
0: average in beer? Isn't it 3.5? It's like five. Five. Is it five? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh. I'm not much
4: of a beer drinker, but I'll give it a go.
1: Cheers. (laughs) Cheers, guys. Cheers. Cheers. Yeah.
4: Mm. Yeah, so our Blind Man River Session Ales, uh, like I said, uh, it's, it's an easy-drinking, crisp, clean beer. It has mm. uh, a, a very kind of uh, laid-back but bold uh, still malt body to it from a uh, combination of both barley and wheat malt. And then the, the hops in it, the, the part in the beer that usually makes beer bitter, we use the hops in a, in a different way than, than a lot of breweries. We use them to extract uh, in such ways to extract a lot of flavor and a lot of aroma rather than the bitterness. Mm. So the beer ends up having a really nice, clean, dry feel. Finish.
1: I was going to say, because I had that little snap of the little slight bitter, but then it's just gone. Mm-hmm. It's just gone. It's not lingering anywhere that makes S- me want to.
0: Speaking of just gone.
1: Did you like that?
0: Well, nobody told me you're supposed to sip it. <laughs> this is this is beer, right? I thought, I, just, <laughs> I thought we were all doing a Okay.
1: Doing a shot. Well, I've never okay. done
0: beer tasting before. Cheers. Thanks. Uh,
1: Chris texted in and says, why does draft beer give you a headache and regular beer doesn't? Does anyone know the answer to well, that I'm, question?
4: Go out, more draft beer. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to go out on a limb and say that he's probably drinking a macro product. Okay. Mm. And a macro product, uh, that we're talking with the big players, um, they, they use um, what are called adjuncts. And adjuncts is not generally a bad word, but um, they use a lot of... Uh, rice and corn syrup as uh, fermentables in their beer, and that generally produces, uh, produces uh, different effects in the beer. And some people uh, don't don't react the same to that as well. So, um, yeah. it's,
5: uh, it's the beer the beer that we're making is is four ingredients: it's malt, barley, water, yeast, and hops. That's that's
1: it. That's it. Yep. Yeah. Hmm. But what about you're playing with some flavors too in some things, aren't you?
5: Uh, no, all of our beer is, the, is that. And, oh, and that. Every, the combination of those four ingredients creates different... Tropical notes, chocolate notes, smoke notes. Really yeah. notes. Yeah.
4: So, they, <laughs> in terms of the malt side of things, like you can imagine your toaster at home and it has that dial on it. So, really at the low end, there's kind of a really light, can barely melt some butter toast. And then there's at the other, at the opposite end of that, is the kind of dark, acrid, um, burnt piece of toast. The, you can, I kind of use that as an analogy for for malt and how they, they go through uh, both a, a roasting and a kilning process to create different flavors in the in the malted barley. So the the maltsters who we buy our are, our are, are, our malt from to create the beer with. Uh, We we can create um, different recipes based upon different uh, ratios of those roasted and or kilned malts.
0: Okay, uh, two things. First of all, this beer has improved my eyesight, which is really (laughs) weird. Uh, Number two, though, only available in uh, cans or are you on tap anywhere?
5: Yep. Uh, We are on draft as well. Uh, Currently, we're only selling the Blind Man River Session Ale in cans. We have five other styles. Um, But uh, if you go to our website, www.blindmanbrewing.com, it shows where we're pouring um, in Edmonton, Central Alberta, Calgary, Lethbridge.
1: Yeah, there's lots of spots. A yeah. number of people are asking where to find... Well, don't
5: it. want to get you in trouble.
0: <coughs> Had to cough there, sorry. Um, but I know that uh, in running restaurants before, tap space is really a commodity. So, And oftentimes other breweries, bigger breweries will put some amount of pressure on restaurants not to take a, a craft beer like yourself. How do you deal with that?
4: Um, we deal with that by having a superior product. Oh, wow. Look at that guy. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> boom. My uh, boom, yeah. Uh, okay, beer knows. glass drop. I'm out of here.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Shane, Hans, hold on a second. We need to take a break.
0: Jaylin and I, let me take a run at it. We've been sitting down and talking to Hans Doof Doof. Doof, doof. should have trusted my instincts. And Shane Groendahl, both from a Blind Man Brewery, uh, a brewery, um, mi- are you called a microbrewery? Yep. yep. Okay. In uh, Lacombe, that's really taken off. 70 outlets now carrying your beer? Roughly, yep. Yeah, good for you guys. So how big do you want to get?
1: <laughs> oh,
0: wow, stumped yeah. him, man. He, he had no problem with the quality question, but no. then... <laughs>
1: Shane, well, what's next then? What's, what's next? I mean, it's only been six months in. There's been an expansion already, or you're looking at an expansion already. What, uh, where's Blind Man Brewery going to be a year from now?
4: Well, I'd like to say that we'd have more uh, a variety products on the, the retail shelves, because like, like Hans was going on about earlier, uh, we have our, our current-only retail products right now on, on liquor store shelves mm-hmm. is our Blind Man River Session, and I'd like to expand that to have a line of maybe four or five beers available in the retail market, but then uh, a continued presence in, in the draft market as well, so bars and restaurants and uh, like and growler stations or growler bars too. So definitely want to do that and, and uh, retail across Alberta.
1: I You know, when you look back... Uh, you year from now, or a year past, and you're sitting there, okay, you're sitting around talking about doing this, you're brewing stuff in your in your basement, you're working at your family's greenhouse, that sort of stuff, hanging with the kids. Did you expect to be where you are like right now? Did you expect it to take off like this?
4: It's not, not as quickly, okay. but no. we, we, had, we had projections and we had you ideas. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the, it, you guys
1: are shy. You guys are
0: shy. It's like the police idea. were here
5: asking these same questions earlier. They don't want... <laughs> just you're successful it's, guys it's been a positive yeah. a positive start it's been a very positive start and we don't want to pat ourselves on the back at all um we ca- we we're working guys we we want to and and it's a passion project like we take pride in it and 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 this we we want people to have access to to good beer and and we feel that that our product is that so hmm. yeah we just keep on going
0: what what's in the big brown jug
5: a <laughs> big brown jug. And is that that's how you sell it? That it's a growler.
0: That that's how you sell, market it, and that. Uh, big,
5: yeah, growlers are a a trend in craft beer where you can uh package uh on site just off of a off, a draft. off of a draft system draft it's system. uh
4: it's a basically a oh. a, two, a two liter brown jug and uh, what we're able to do is we're able to to pour fresh beer into that jug and it's uh and seal it such that you can take it Thank home you. and consume it or take it to your friend's place or share it or whatever uh, and then when you're when the bottle's empty you, you rinse it out and you bring it back and we'll refill it for you so it's it's a res- it's recyclable packaging um and it's it's there's a there's a deposit on the bottle as there are with any um, yeah. any liquor packaging you know and we we uh you, you take home the bottle and it's yours to keep you come back and we'll fill it up again for you yeah. so describe this beer to me
5: this is our dark offering it's a robust porter mm. nice and dark beer uh quite dry though it it finishes dry it has some chocolate uh smoke malt uh flavoring on uh not flavoring sorry uh notes on it so give it a give it a try what does porter mean
4: porter is the style okay um porter describes uh, the the style of beer and it has a range of of characteristics of um, uh, of the flavors and the the um like the degrees of roastiness in the malt, like we were talking about the toaster and how the malt, the malt mm-hmm. gets roasted, um, it also has a de- like the, the mouthfeel, even right down to the carbonation level. Uh, so it's it's a characteristic of the uh, style descriptor. So. What uh, what now, has a
1: lovely chocolatey yeah. uh, nose on. Mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. Does that make? Yeah?
4: yeah, yeah, absolutely. So there's there's a percentage of of both, as Han said, chocolate malt that's used in that. So the chocolate malt is a is a roasted malt, and that the the maltsters they roast uh, the uh, the malt to to kind of um, bring out those sugars and caramelize those sugars. Hmm.
0: And wow. can I can I just say I really I, really, I love you guys. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what? And this is speaking as a guy who uh, enjoys a beer but knows nothing about beer. So my favorite uh, two beers are anything really light on tap, like a uh, draft on tap, or a Guinness. Um, really like that heavy. This seems to be these two averaged out. I, I, I actually like it. I like it a lot. Like that, this one... Well, it's uh, not you know, thick like a Guinness. It isn't, so it's not as filling. It doesn't feel as filling, but it's got that same sort of... uh it's like a beautiful color yeah. in the... Well, yeah. there's
4: a couple of different things. Like a Guinness, a Guinness is... is um Actually packaged in the keg and dispensed with a different blend of gas than the uh, than the porter is and than our porter is. So it's actually the Guinness uses a lot of uh, nitrogen. That's why nitrogen bubbles don't want to stay in, in solution. So that's why you see them cascading in mm-hmm. kind of those convection currents in the glass. That's why it takes 119.5 seconds to pour mm-hmm. and all that sort of stuff. You know, uh, but so and you're but a Guinness still has those the, a little bit of those roasty characters that the, the the porter is kind of playing with as well. So yeah,
0: it's it. Here's the thing. And again, as a guy who knows nothing about beer. I like Guinness a lot. Mm-hmm. I can't drink it all night. It's just too heavy for me. After two, three, uh, I'm <laughs> done. This this tastes like a beer that I could drink
4: all evening. Yeah, in you.
5: general, the the styles we like, uh, we all like to have them finish off dry, so so they don't stay. Lingering so, on the yeah. palate.
4: and so by can, dry we mean like a, there, so there's l- less residual sweetness in the beer so the the yeast uh, we, we, we feed the the yeast sugar and it spits out co2 and alcohol for us right and so um, as the as the yeast finishes up its job um, we the, the fermentation can either can either come to a, what we call dryness and that all there's there's very little sh- residual sugars left in the beers which w- was a characteristic like Hans was saying for that we aim in for our beers or uh, as, as some other some other styles dictate there's a higher residual sugar mm. as well
1: Just some of the texts that are coming in. Squishy Man says, please, please, please don't add fruit to beer. Just, just don't. That's uh, There's that one. Uh, Lyle uh, is offering to come in and taste test for y'all. Oh, nice. And uh, this one says, I'm leaving work and heading to uh, the liquor store to buy. Some of you guys are making me thirsty. And then this one, as an avid home brewer and beer drinker, I'm, it's clear why old man is taking off so uh, quickly, or uh, blind man is taking off so quickly, their beer is superior to most, if not all, Alberta craft beer. So there you go. Tip of the hat to mm-hmm. you guys. Mm-hmm. For the guys that are at home making their, their beer in their basement, or at gals that are making their beer in their basement anyway. Any tips for them?
4: Don't be, and if they're not yet, don't be afraid to start. It's it's yeah. easy to get into it. You know, uh, homebrewers can get into it for like a hundred bucks, and you can you can do uh, as make it as simple as or as complicated as as you want. Uh, and
5: there's a lot of groups out there to join. Who okay? Who are, there's good groups out there. Yeah.
1: Blind hmm. man brewing. It is. A <laughs> Oh, my goodness. You can find the website at blindmanbrewing.com, the list of places where you can, can buy it, or if you're out for a restaurant, that sort of stuff, if you want to buy it as well. It is uh, Hans and Shane joining us this afternoon. Thanks, guys, and thanks for sharing. Really great, and best of luck uh, over the next, uh, well, in the future, because you already are making a mark, and well done.
5: Thank you. Thank you very much.